Good afternoon, everybody. Buenas tardes for the Spanish-speaking audience. <laughs> Maybe not a lot of you, but a little Spanish goes a long way here this afternoon. Yeah. I am here with two incredible women that don't need a big introduction. You know them from their movies, from their TV series, but today we're going to be talking business. Um, 60 million Latinos and growing in our country. Uh, we're going to talk about GDP. We're going to talk about what the future holds for us and for our children in this country. And with a room full of entrepreneurs, um, Eva Longoria Bastón and Zoe Saldana, why should these entrepreneurs and investors uh, care about Latinos today in our country? Why is it mm. crucial, not just for our community, but yeah. for them as business people? Oh my God, there's so many answers to that. You want to go? Okay. <laughs> this is women on a panel. No, you go. No, you go. Um, very we're very polite. <laughs> men would just answer. Um, no, you know, well, okay, other than, than demographics, Latinos are the fastest growing demographic in the United States uh, in business, in population, um, in workforce, talent pools. And so uh, the word diversity is thrown around so much, especially in our industry, right? Um, but I think sometimes people think they have to check a box or it's the right thing to do. And my argument is always the economics. It's the economic, the smart thing to do. Because um, if you invest in our community, it's been proven that when companies that have diverse management boards, diverse executive teams across all industries, across all countries, uh, produce 19% more revenue than boards or teams or management teams that don't have that. And that's because diversity leads to innovation. And especially in the tech world, you need that innovation. You need that other perspective uh, when it comes to um, creating new apps, new technology, new solutions to, to the world's problems. So I don't, I mean, I think people stop thinking of, of it as a moral imperative, like it's the right thing to do. It's the economically smart thing to do. Yeah, and I, I echo what you're saying. I just, I'm not acting like I'm a millennial. I'm 41, I don't want to be rude <laughs> to you guys, but I just want to put a, pull a stat because to yeah. me, the, the, the data is everything. Um, so the US Latin market reached $1.5 trillion in buying power in 2017, and it is expected to reach $1.9 trillion by 2022. So why is it important? Because it benefits our American economy to consider all Americans. Mm -hmm. 100%. We're not just Latinos first, we're Americans first. And to me, that is, that is I feel like what we have to um, grow and, and, and expand and be flexible when it comes to the narrative of what is American, who is American, mm. and who is not. When I think about a Latino, I think about a foreign-born um, person. Mm. Um, when I think about myself, I think American, I think New Yorker, I think woman, I think woman of color. And for me to say Latina, you have to earn that when you get to know me. I don't need to identify myself mm. in order for you to know how you're gonna place me. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I think that when the economy is benefiting highly on the fastest growing minority group in America that, it, that is over-indexing on college enrollment, especially leading by Latinas. 73% of Latinas um, are enrolling in college on a high, at a higher rate than any non-Hispanic uh, woman across our nation. So these are numbers that cannot be denied and we have to find a way to fit them into our economy in a way that that visibility only benefits us as a nation. Mm -hmm.
I think there's a big distinction. Um, just hearing you say, you know, U.S.-born Latino or American Latino, uh, many times people say, oh, you know what, where do you recommend that I invest my money? Is it Mexico? Is it Brazil? And then those might be incredible countries for you to invest. But I would say, like, in our backyard, right? U.S. Latinos are the biggest blind spot, um, yet we're driving so many metrics that are growing our, our economy, right? From GDP to consumption rates to entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. um, so it's important that people look at their own backyard, um, at American Latinos too, yeah. when it comes to investing, because if you're following the growth of a market, that's exactly where the growth well, is going. Well, and not only that, the American Latino, the average age is 28, um, where the average non-Hispanic is 43. So just by that, you're going to have a longer-term customer <laughs> by investing in Latinos and thinking of them as a long-term consumer. I know. That, yeah, I think, like, for example, being so young, and we're going to talk a little bit about Bice. Me, thank you. <laughs> but being so young and you catering in, in your new um, startup um, with Bice to young Latinos, it's really, you really have to pay a lot of attention thinking, like when one in every two kids today, um, and you both contribute to this stat, born in California is a Latino, uh, or in New York, you know where the growth is going, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's still baffling to me to see that there's such lack of representation everywhere, whether it's a big screen or a small screen, business-wise. So talk a little bit about Bice and why you wanted to build this company, already mm -hmm. being such a successful actress, you're already having a very successful production company with Sinister with your sisters, you still wanted more. Why was that? Um, because I became a mother of three American boys, and um, and I, you know, and, and the universe is so ironic that makes me a mother of boys post Times Up, and um, I'm accepting that wonderful challenge. And also, two out of my three boys look more like me, and my younger son is what you consider, you know, passes. He looks like my husband. My husband's an immigrant from Italy. And, um, and when I met my twins, they were born early, they were in the NICU, like two emotions came over me that were very, very strong. And the first one was, um, you know, pride. Because as a woman, you, you, you go through all these changes to, try, you know, to, to, to bear children, and then they come out and they look like your partners. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's lovely, but no, it's not. <laughs> I have an ego too, you know. So, so I was very, I was very proud uh, that they looked like me. And then my second feeling that made me feel really deeply ashamed was fear, mm. because I, I jump cut so many, so many years of like the day that they have to go out with their friends to the mall and they're leaving wearing a hoodie. What am I gonna say? Um, the day that somebody calls them a negative, you know, term in school and they don't know why they're being polarized, what will I say then? And, and that, that got me sort of thinking about my own experience, my own American experience, being a first generation from Queens, New York, and, and feeling like I didn't exist in the narrative of life. I, I, at school, I was being taught ethnic studies, and that's when I saw people like me. Um, when, I, when I turned on my TV, I only had, you know, Sigourney Weaver and Linda Hamilton to be my warriors, and I was, I was content, and Whoopi Goldberg, but I, I didn't have that much, that, that, that many resemblances of myself that made me feel that I can do anything, I can be, I can go anywhere, I can do anything. So it made me look to media. Media is very, very important mm -hmm. um, for, for a young mind to feel that they are, they can cultivate aspirations, they can reach higher grounds outside of the environments that they sometimes find themselves confined to. So I, I, that got me curious. I'm like, okay, I know I'm gonna start a media company. I've been working in media, but 
where and how. And then the question was, where are where are they? Where are these people that look like me consuming their content? And um, it's through their devices. Mm. So the digital media landscape provided this blank canvas um, that uh, made me really excited to sort of navigate in. So what I'm finding myself now doing, I just launched my company two years ago, but it was just the first step. Now it's about aggregating all of my assets and creating what I'm calling an ecosystem where I don't know, I don't know if it's a network, I don't know if it's a studio, I just know that I want to own my own content, I want to create my own content for Americans. Mm -hmm. And whether they're Americans that are of color with disabilities, that are female, that are queer, it doesn't matter. If you have ever experienced any kind of othering, um, this is the space. I want to be that content creator for you. Whether you need news, whether you need brands, whether you need lifestyle, like I want to be that. I want to provide that space where you feel you feel seen and you feel like you are the one and you're not the other one. Yeah. So um, to me, that's important because when you know what it's like to be excluded, the last thing that you're going to do is exclude others. So what we're saying is that inclusivity is our exclusivity, yeah. and you have to start. I know that you know investing in digital media may be daunting and super scary, but at the end of the day, you know, we have missions and we also have investments. This is a mission. We have to invest in our media because if we're not making good information that we can curate, um, then where are we going to be five to ten years from now? Mm -hmm. And I'll stop. I'll let Eva no, talk. No, like, I can hug. Uh, <laughs> I think the three of us, we need like three hours. <laughs> but, um, you know. No, but if you haven't checked out Bisa, you have to check it out. Uh, not even, not just because if you're Latino. It's amazing yeah. storytelling and it really is you. Um, when you do it from a different perspective as a content creator you go oh my god that was so interesting I didn't think about that I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that right that's um, that. and that's important because the content in the media is so important it's not about it's two things uh, what you put out what is out there educates other communities about us right um, so if you live in Arkansas and you don't have a Latino neighbor and all you see about Latinos is what you see in the news or from this administration <laughs> you're probably gonna have a negative view of that. Um, so, so, you know, media educates other communities about us, but more importantly, it educates our community about us. Right. And so that's what the stakes are more for, I think, for uh, Zoe and I, is making sure a young little girl from, from New York can go and look up on screen or look anywhere on, online or in digital space, wherever it is, and, and know that she can see it and she can be it. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, when we talk about this next young generation, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, being now the new majority of our country, I find it devastating to think that our kids, who are American, don't see themselves anywhere, right? They're not validated as no, Or they important. do, but it's negative. It's negative, right? Yeah. And I, I love the story that you once shared with me about the bus ride mm -hmm. uh, and being the other, mm -hmm. and how that really motivated you to say, you know what, I'm going to start my own company, I'm going to start my own foundation. Mm -hmm. uh, and it all started thanks to a Pop-Tart. Do you mind sharing that story? <laughs> no, no, thanks to a bean taco. Oh, right. <laughs> but you wanted the Pop-Tart. I wanted a Pop-Tart. <laughs> but just like Zoe, I'm Texan, I'm a Texican. Because um, <laughs> I'm Mexican-American. I'm ninth generation Mexican-American. My family came to uh, New Spain in 1603. We are on the same land as that Spanish land grant today. I'm, that's, we are more American than Donald Trump. And that is <laughs> hard. <laughs> but we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us. And there's a whole, 
It's true. My, my family was under five different flags without ever moving. And if you know history, <laughs> and if you know immigrational history, um, it's important um, to be literate on this before you go and you know protest something about anti-immigration. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, uh, my mom made me take this t gifted and talented test to get into a better school that was across town, and I had to ride the bus and I with people I didn't know. And so I get on the bus. This was third grade, and it's like a sea of blonde. Um, I'd never seen that many blonde kids in my life. And um, I had a bean taco, because my mom made me a bean taco. And everybody turned and stared at me and my bean taco, and I looked out, and everybody was eating the same thing. And I didn't know what it was, I'd never seen it, and it was a Pop-Tart. And I was like, oh my god, that's so cool, what is that? Um, <laughs> and I remember a little girl going, what's that? <laughs> And I was like, well, it's what, you know, everybody eats in my neighborhood. And I remember somebody on the bus clearly going, she's Mexican. And it was like a fact that explained me. And I never heard that word because I was American. And I don't live in Mexico. And so when you are any kind of hyphenate, you're Mexican-American, um, you know, Dominican-American, you straddle that hyphen every day of your life. Because people go, oh, you're half Mexican, half American? No, I'm 100% Mexican, and I'm 100% American at the same time. So sometimes navigating that identity is, is very difficult. But yeah. it definitely informs everything that I do, which is making sure that um, you know, you're not defined by just your culture and ethnicity, that we're yeah. complex, we're a complex community and we're not monolithic. Yeah. Right, and, and you know, we, we talk a lot about representation. Uh, you both are big advocates uh, for our community. Um, and we talk a lot about who gets to tell our stories beyond us wanting to see ourselves in a movie or in a TV show just for the sake of seeing someone, that is, taken a toll in our community in real life, right? When we see what is happening and what the narrative is. Um, we recently launched something together with La Colab and, the, and Mayor Garcetti to try to up this representation because although we're 25% of the box office, we're 3% represented um, in the movies and 1% represented as showrunners, which are really the people who are telling our stories, right? Um, very excited to know that we have allies in this effort like J.J. Abrams and Sarah Harden uh, from Hallow Sunshine. Um, what is your view on how Hollywood is affecting real life issues for our community and what can we do together to change that? I, you know, I think that you just have to di diversify your boardrooms. I think that you really, and that not only speaks for Hollywood, because art is just an imitation of life. Mm. But sometimes um, art has to take that leadership and, um, and, and be that life so that, you know, it, it, life then starts reflecting the art that we write. I mean, th thanks to Gene Roddenberry, he was growing up in an era where the thought of an American, a Russian, a Japanese person having breakfast together was, was not, it just was inconceivable. So he, he created Star Trek. And it gave people a, visu a visi visible reflection of what we could be if we just continue to try to get to know thy neighbor. Mm -hmm. And um, so life imitated art in that moment, and it then it ended up affecting life. So I think that art needs to, uh, you know, when I, back, Zoe, stick to the, to the subject. Diversification of boardroom in um, positions of leadership. You know, when you're that, when you're that CEO, when you're that VP, that CMO, that whatever OOs you, you may be, um, <laughs> 
and you see that young boy that just reminds you of a younger version of yourself, but with better abs or something. Um, in addition to taking him under your wing and grooming him so that he can be that future CEO, give yourself that rule. For every one young man that I take under me, that I see myself in him, I'm going to take a woman. And even be crazier, take a woman of color in your company. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And for every one token person of color that you go, well, I checked my box for a company. You know what? This year, be relentless. Say, I'm not just going to check that one box. I'm going to check 10. Mm -hmm. Start this year just with 10. And then next year, double it. And then next year, double it. Like, we have to, the change cannot come from the, de from the ground up. And also, like, as, as a woman, I'm 41, like, I'm tired of fighting. I don't want a revolution. <laughs> I mean, please, I want a renaissance. And that has to come from the top, and it trickles down from, to the bottom. It just has to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, same thing. It's economically smart to do that. There's a great um, activist. You all should look her up. Her name is uh, Fabiana Rodriguez. Fabiana Rodriguez? <laughs> um, and she explains, speaking about Hollywood and, and kind of our roles, is that how um, policy never changes in government until culture changes. So cultures have to change before policy making can change. So if you see uh, what happened in the 1960s with um, the Cuban refugee crisis that happened at that time, and Cubans were welcomed and, and supported when they got to this country, 10 years before that, what was on TV? I love Lucy, Ricky Ricardo. Like, oh, if all Cubans are like that, they're good. come on in. Um, if you look at the defense of uh, the Defense of Marriage Act, and when that, when gay marriage passed, what was on TV ten years before that? Roseanne, The Ellen Show, Queer Eye, um, and so we made culture comfortable with these people. So what we have to do in the media is do it now because it's going to take ten years to change the fact that this is the norm. Yeah, and we're harmless. We're not here to, um, you know, do what what some people say we are to do. And so I think. Um, you know, those art and images that we do put out um, from our industry can actually change lives. I think, and very soon, there'll be two big historical moments. One, that you'll be the first Latina ever in the history of Hollywood to direct, US-born Latina, oh. to direct a major motion picture. For a studio. For a studio, yes, yes. That's a lot of qualifications. That's yeah, like amazing. the first person from Corpus Christi, Texas, in 1975. <laughs> uh -huh. Who did it? No, there's so many before me, so many before me. Silvia Morales is an amazing Chicana filmmaker who came way before me. She, she maybe didn't work at, uh, did, um, um, major motion picture. She, she's an amazing. There's so many, and I think that's the problem. Yeah, Patricia Reagan from Mexico's done. But, but as a U.S.-born Latina for a major studio, mm -hmm. you will be the first one. And I love the fact that it is a biopic mm -hmm. about a Latino man, mm -hmm. right? Who did not go to Harvard? Mm -hmm. Who did not drop out of Stanford? He was a janitor, mm -hmm. and he's given Pepsi more money than anybody else. Created right? more money. Right? It's yeah. incredible. Created, of course. And it was because of that insight that he had from being a Latino and yeah. knowing what the community really liked. Yeah. Um, how did you pick this movie? Uh, what makes you excited about it? And I didn't pick the movie. What she's talking about is the Flaming Hot Cheeto story. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Amazing story, story. of the American dream. 
uh, about the Mexican janitor who worked at the factory and came up with the idea of Flaming Hot Cheeto, which is now the number one snack in the world and one of the only products at Frito-Lay Pepsi that is continuing to grow because of our, our Latino market. Our buying power. Um, and our GDP and our buying power. So um, his story is amazing, but his story is many people's stories. And that's the beautiful thing that we're going to show is Richard Montanez's story is your story. It's my story. Um, and it's about perseverance and, um, and really uh, what you do when the infrastructure of opportunity is not there and when, when opportunity is not distributed equally. It's not, you know, pull yourself by your bootstraps and work hard and you're gonna get ahead because there are so many doors closed off to our community. And if you think about in technology and if you think about um, the, systematic, um, the systematic oppressions that we face, whether it's a pay gap or an opportunity gap, access to capital, access to business knowledge, um, we face so many barriers as women and as people of color um, that need to be remedied because we have to work twice as hard, you know, three times as hard. Even me getting this job, I had to prove myself um, ten times more than the other direct male directors that were going against me. Wow, right. I had, because I didn't have the body of work to say I can do this, but you got to trust me. And it was my perspective and my vision for telling this film that's, that really let me get the job. But there's so many... Um, systematic barriers that we go through. And if you think about technology, there are so many, um, there was this wonderful woman who spoke at Sundance recently, she talked about the coded bias. Um, if you notice Snapchat or Instagram filters, they don't recognize dark faces. They don't recognize black faces, dark faces. Um, and that's a coded bias, that's, there's a bias against that. For Latinos, for any voice activated technology, my husband who's from Mexico, he's like, Siri, what is the weather? And the series like, I have no idea what <laughs> <laughs> So there's a cultural, the Marco, I'm sure, the Italian, <laughs> he's like, this, tell me where the wine is. Alexa. Uh, Alexa, Alexa, yeah. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Now Alexa's bilingual. I bought one for my mom. No, but you have to speak in Spanish or you or can English. speak in English, but you cannot speak in English with a Spanish accent. Right. That's the That's problem. The problem. Yeah. That's and the so problem. anybody who's in here and doing any kind of voice technologies, just keep that in mind. <laughs> Dialects and accents um, are important, but even something as simple as that and not even not having somebody who has a seat at the table when you are developing that technology to go, I have a problem with this because they sound different. It you doesn't I mean? understand. Yeah, so you need that innovation at the table, at the, at the forefront of your of inventions. Course. Let's talk a little bit about your foundation. Mm -hmm. um, and I know, Zoe, you're also big on education and everything you do in your philanthropy work supports children and their learning. You have made a big bet on Latina women, mm -hmm. right? Talking a little bit earlier about, you know, the lack of capital, maybe the lack of access. We always say talent is equal, opportunity is not. Mm -hmm. You've made it your life mission to make yeah. sure that does not happen. Mm -hmm. um, I love the work that you do. Uh, I love everything about it, from the after-school STEM programs for girls mm -hmm. um, to supporting entre Latina entrepreneurs of all ages. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit more about yeah. what you've been doing and what you have in the future we, with your foundation? Uh, at the Evil Longoria Foundation have been doing this work for about 10 years because we recognize not only the Latino community is an untapped talent pool, but Latinas specifically. As Zoe said, we are going to college at, at greater rates than our male counterparts and graduating and finishing that. Um, but I, my foundation focused on STEM fields because um, 
for every, there's one million computing jobs this year that are going to be open. And one, the United States economy can't even fill those because yeah. there's not enough qualified applicants. So if you look at what is going to be the future workforce of America, it's going to be Latina. And so we have to prepare these women for those jobs. We have to steer them in that direction because this is um, what the future is going to look like um, economically. And if we want them to be economically mobile, this is where Absolutely. this is the best shot. To and do they that. code. Yeah. They code just as much as everybody. Yeah, no, I mean, there, we have programs with eight-year-olds, coding and robotics. We have after-school programs of coding and robotics and 3D printing. And these eight-year-olds go, I'm just like, my mind gets blown away. But then I also feel so great because I go, that's, that's a little girl who's going to create the technology for our community. Of course. And, and like you, you said, that's the future workforce, that it's not that into the future, right? In the next no. five years, no. one out of every no. two people entering the workforce will be a Latino. Mm -hmm. So when you're building your companies, think about that culture. Think about how you're recruiting. Think about how you're building an inclusive workforce. To and we also need to start preparing our kids, our kids in our community. Yeah. With so many baby boomers retiring at a very accelerated rate, it is primarily kids of color, uh, led by Latinos, who are going to be filling these jobs and supporting and growing our economy. There's no GDP growth if there's a flat workforce. And it is precisely Latinos well, that are going to be. On the, on the entrepreneur side, too, I decided to do you know, education in my foundation and also entrepreneurship because Latinas start small businesses six times the national average. Than anybody. We're over indexing, yeah. Than anybody. So the most of the growth of our small business and small business is what fuels our economy. People think it's these big Apple and everybody. It's not. It's small businesses still are the backbone of our economy and provide most of the jobs. It's um, interesting to see, like, wait, who's leading that? Latinas. And yet they still face barriers getting access to capital or access to business knowledge. And so that's what the foundation does is say, here are some alternate routes. If you, yeah. if you don't know what a VC is, come and pitch and we'll show you. If you don't, if you're scared of the bank, if you don't know what credit rating is, if you don't know what uh, you know, back office and accounting means, if you don't know how to do a payroll, and we provide them all of those tools. It's so important. It's Education is, is everything. Amazing Absolutely. The results, yeah. Talking about education and the power of Latinos, and specifically Latinas, I know you two, along with um, America Ferreira, uh, along with Gina Rosario. Rodriguez and Rosario Dawson, did a big push during the last election to the go midterms. everywhere, right? Everywhere, the midterms, everywhere to try to get Latinos out to vote. Um, talk a little bit about how you think we can rally better our community, support better our community, not only talk to them when there is an election um, that's happening, and what are you guys focused on um, on, this, on this new cycle? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna. I, I don't. I'm not gonna talk politics. I, I definitely think the importance is to get all Americans out there to vote. I think it's important to reinstate trust mm. that has been lost, especially with younger generations, because we have a problem if our community is becoming cynical. Um, I think. I think it's very much like Houston. <laughs> we have a serious issue. Um, for me, it's it's a. Uh, it's changing, it's, it's, uh, it's changing a language. You know, in the 1960s, um, the content that was being created that was given to Americans was to cater to an 85% community that was of Anglo origin. 
and a 15% that was foreign born, that was immigrant. And still to this day, there's so many formats that are being created across news, entertainment, uh, sports, and not, not necessarily sports, sports, it's very diverse, but it's still catering to that model of, of, of demographic. And I think that, I think that, you know, like, I, like I've always said, like it took us a long time to, to learn bad habits. It'll take us also a long time to outgrow them. Um, I, this thing about Latinos and Latinas, I think that, or I think American is a, is a vocabulary that is going to definitely win trust within our community. Because if we're talking to younger generations that are US born, that are first, second generations, they're children of immigrants. So to compel them in a, in a conversation, a title to choose, if they consider themselves Americans or Latinos, is already you losing half of, half of their attention. Right. I think acknowledging and respecting that they are from here and that they are English first right. is you gaining their trust. It's the initiation of a dialogue that they're going to leave open just to entertain you for mm -hmm. SHIT and giggles, you know? Right. And I also... Um, and and I, I think that's really important. So it's like, it's... it's uh, it, to me, when I think about Latino filmmakers, I think about Guillermo del Toro, I think about, you know, Alejandro Iñárritu, Almodóvar. When I think about American filmmakers, I think about Robert Rodriguez and Eva Longoria among Martin Scorsese and all these other people because they're U.S. born. I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, langu it's, a, it's a vocabulary that we just have to acquire and get used to practicing. Right. I, I, I hope I didn't trail off, no, but, that's, but that's, the, that's, the, that's the way I'm going to sort of encourage the population to pay attention to national matters um, and, and how your singular vote is going to make a difference. Yeah. Well, and I also think that within our community, that to that point is people think Latinos have different issues than yeah, um, Americans, and the number one American issue is the economy. The number one Latino issue is the economy. Yeah. Um, people think our number one issue is immigration, and it's and it's not. It's like number five on the right. list. We education want healthcare and education right. and economy. And um, the other thing, for specifically for for these candidates that are currently running, no one has has really spoken to the Latino community, and we're kind of like waiting back to. Go Go, okay, somebody speak to us, and we're we just decided we're going to speak for ourselves. We're tired of I, I waiting. I think it's about time for somebody to speak to us, and we're just going to go out and empower our community to make their choice, but to get out and and, and be counted because the, the voting booth is the only place where the the top one percent has the same weight as as the janitor from Frito Lay. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, and super important. You're 16 million and strong, uh, fastest growing GDP of any mature economy. So do think of U.S. born Latinos as an extraordinary business opportunity. Thank you so much, <laughs> Eva Longoria and Zoe Saldana. Thank you.